May is Fibromyalgia Awareness Month. It's important to raise awareness about this chronic and often debilitating invisible illness known as fibromyalgia. This month-long campaign is an opportunity to educate people about the symptoms, causes, and treatments of fibromyalgia, as well as to show support for those living with these and other related invisible illnesses. Through increased awareness, we can work towards better understanding and management of fibromyalgia and ultimately improve the quality of life for those who are affected by it. And now on to this week's episode. Thank you for joining me again as we go back about 100 years in time listening and hearing more about Margaret Mitchell and her battle with fibromyalgia through the benefit of 100 years of hindsight or in America as we say Monday morning quarterback when we get to look back at her history that has been saved by her words by the observation of others and brought together through the biography of Margaret Mitchell. Doctors have looked at her story and have identified that she clearly would have met the criteria for both fibromyalgia and ADHD, which often are co-existing. We'll continue this week and She'll talk more about the insights she had on this perplexing and extremely frustrating struggles with what we now understand as fibromyalgia. For those of you who are listening to the podcast for the first time, I am your host, Dr. Michael Lenz. I am a pediatrician. I also am a internal medicine physician and board certified in lifestyle medicine. I also am author of the book, Conquering Your Fibromyalgia, Real Answers and Real Solutions for Real Pain, where I try to weave the best of medical management with lifestyle medicine with the goal to both inform and inspire and equip those who are going through this battle that's ongoing. Fibromyalgia or the predisposition for fibromyalgia really never goes away, but you can lessen and even reverse fibromyalgia to the levels of those who are unaffected by fibromyalgia. Remember that while I am a doctor, I am not your doctor. So all the signs and symptoms should be discussed with your personal physician and hope that this is a starting point on your journey, uh, learning more about fibromyalgia. And I hope that this is going to help you if you have fibromyalgia, if you have a loved one who has fibromyalgia, and if you are a physician who just has never had much training on fibromyalgia, get more insight and develop more confidence in both diagnosing and managing fibromyalgia with a multifaceted approach. Picking up where we left off last time, she had a history of accidents that she thought had done internal damage, long-term damage. For example, she had persistent pain 
long after what would have been routine or expected healing from an injury. This pattern became the recurrent theme of accidents setting off recurrent ailments and symptoms that bothered her for the remainder of her life. She reported having fractures of her ribs over and over, over her lifetime, whether she had rib fractures is debatable. It is more likely that she had what we now know as tender points of fibromyalgia that at times were flaring up, and that can be pain classically in the upper outer chest wall. And these tender points are areas in the body where everybody is actually more sensitive and more tender. Uh, Some examples of these, and these are in pairs on both sides of the body, are in the middle of the trapezius, the proximal forearm, the paraspinal muscles, the lateral hip, the inside of the knee, the gluteal region, and the occipital, or the areas right in the base of the skull, for example. But for people who have fibromyalgia, these are much more sensitive, much more tender, both tender to touch, but also will be reporting often more pain even when not being touched, which likely was occurring with Margaret. She had also the two competing images of herself. One was the miniature Dempsey, who was a successful boxer of her day versus what she called the fragile little thing. Which was she? Fragile or the boxer? Maybe you or your friend or family member with fibromyalgia also have those same competing images and are having the same battle. Perhaps you have this inner fighter, this former self, where you might have been very vigorous and thought of yourself as very strong, may have been a former athlete or dancer. But then the posing image is much more fragile, as Margaret felt. Understandably, future charges of hypochondria were in opposition to her tough character that endured so much in her boxing match against fibro throughout her life. She had read Freud, and before the term accident-prone became common language, she had no difficulties connecting her physical symptoms with her mental disabilities. She had done this over and over. She described her psyche betraying her otherwise healthy body. She wrote to her friend, I go to pieces under heavy nervous strain that, of course, reacts on me physically, and I go under. And believe me, Al, I had been living under terrible tension for a month and something had to break. She had described more problems as morale, psychological affliction caused by physical disabilities as she judged. She said, as long 
as I'm in a normal, tranquil state of mind, I'm perfectly all right. But just let me get upset or mad or cry or be happy and bingo, every muscle seems to go slack and the jolly old pep goes. And in the reaction that comes on, I'm too exhausted to give a damn. Just let dad fuss at me about something or let me forget and go on my old swearing rages. And then it's goodbye for a while for me. When I left St. Joseph's, that's the hospital, the doc told me to lay away my emotions in cotton wool for a year. Well, Al, mine has never a tranquil temperament, and to lead a stolid, unemotional existence is not an easy task for me. After I've cut loose on a grand emotional spree, as Dr. Leslie calls them, and hated someone gloriously for a couple of hours, and the reaction hits me, like another Margaret coming to the surface, I just don't care. Nothing seems to matter. My reason can plead with my lethargic second self that I'm a damn fool, that I have everything that matters. And yet, oh dear, when the gloom descends, all that isn't any consolations. Over and over, she would make these connections. Her emotional reaction deadened her vitality. Physical debility resulted and waves of depression flooded her spirit. She read a letter that caused her to cry and feel anger. She said, the result shot me. Later in the day, she held two hands and listened to two hard luck stories that make the world seem singularly rotten and brutal. There is so much suffering and sorrow in the world, and so little I can do, and I want to help so much. Sympathy drained her. She lost her will and energy with every expression of feeling. It seemed to diminish her physically. In the middle of this very litany of sorrows, she expressed, It's hell to be so small. Her very self-diminished and shrank into some anonymous prenatal state. She wrote, Just now I have such an odd feeling of mental lethargy stealing over me. Tonight, I'm so very tired of planning, worrying, feeling, and sympathizing for people. It would be nice to lie in someone's arms like a child, cuddled close against their shoulder, every aching muscle relaxed, every keyed-up nerve loosened, no worry, no responsibility, only peace to drift and drift. Depression settled in the leaden skies of a southern winter. I am acutely happy, as it is humanly possible to be, and remain sane, she wrote, just past her 19th birthday. Why? 
She did not know, but peace never came. She struggled into the night. She fought the world, the flesh, and the very devil. But in the midst of her family fights, social conflicts, household burdens, in all her nameless woes, the young woman still tracked her muse. One way or another, she still wrote. Indeed, her writing both lightened and formalized her pain. Deep into the night, she made her insomnia functional. She composed voluminous letters to friends and scribbled diary entries and labored over short stories and other fiction. The failures of her pen heralded the same fate as her fictional subjects. Frustration? Deadly frustration. This is where both authors' tales commenced and closed in these frantic years. Still, she struggled with her little story, but life was too tangled. Nothing seems right. I am in despair. Even so, with her immobilized, nerve-wracked heroine, and just so did these difficulties mirror the difficulties of her life at home. Taking care of the house stole away her time. Chores fragmented her work. Her menfold expected her attention. As you hear what Margaret shared, there's probably many of you who are living a very similar experience or know someone who does it. Or if you're a physician, this is likely the story of many of your patients who have fibromyalgia. Dr. Sarno has done some work talking about the effect of pain and emotions on pain. And I think there's a lot of good things to be learned from what he's written about. Margaret Mitchell's story and her gift with words in describing her own plight brings to life and to words what fibromyalgia is like to struggle with all of the pain and the sorrows, the effect of emotions on our pain. She had identified that definitely her emotions impacted her pain. As I've talked on other episodes, fibromyalgia affects the ability of the brain to listen or process pain. The same stimuli are typically experienced much more intensely when you have fibromyalgia. The pain is real. People who have fibromyalgia have the same level of pain, but it's just at a much lower threshold. And there's also the fatigue and brain fog that goes along with it. And we talk about how with fibromyalgia, in one sense, it's like the alarm system in the body, which is there to serve a purpose, to protect us if we're injuring ourselves. It is also there to alert us if there is something going on that should grab our attention, 
and increase our anxiety appropriately. But those two symptoms of anxiety and pain are very closely tied, as both of them are alarm systems. And she saw that connection that when her emotions were at a very high level, her pain level also went up. And sometimes this wasn't just bad emotions. Sometimes when she was really happy, that affected her pain as well. The sad part and the frustrating part was she felt helpless to do anything about it. She tried to control her emotions. The doctor said, hey, just put those emotions in a nice cotton wool and put them in the attic for a year and just don't get all stressed out. And that is easier said than done. And and some of us have life experiences that we can control to some degree. Maybe you have a job that's very frustrating. Maybe there's stress going on by your spouse who's also struggling and maybe their struggles are impacting your pain as well. Whatever it is, however, it's not always that simple to just pack it away. There's cognitive therapy about talking about this. There's also the recognition how this alarm system and emotions are connected and having that awareness is helpful. But that's just one piece of the puzzle. It's not the only thing. Just having this recognition as Margaret did, didn't cure her. In next week's episode, we are going to hear about her romantic life and her first marriage and the impact and struggles that occurred when she got married to a man who had lots of struggles and actually made her fibromyalgia get a lot worse. There was a terrible marriage and it really negatively impacted her health. That's all for this week. I hope that you're enjoying this trip back in time. There's a podcast called What You Missed in History Class, which I like listen to on occasion and going back to imagine what it was like living a hundred years ago. I know there's medical practices right now that going to be looked at a hundred years from now is probably barbaric and we are going to be learning on future episodes how doctors attempted to treat her when they couldn't find anything quote wrong with her and many of you who are battling with fibromyalgia have also gone through this as well i wanted to share some listener feedback This is from Triff. He says, Wow, I am almost in tears. Started listening to your podcast and have had chills. Your description of my problem, every point hits hard on me 
in my dealing with this. Money costs, depression, confusion, getting anger, loss of respect from other doctors and therapies. And he talks about some of the struggles he's gone through with tongue cancer and then thyroid removed. He reports still persistent problems, maddening fatigue, and no interest in doing fun things. Daily fog and confusion. Thanks for the hope that I can get some relief from this. And from a follow-up, he said that I've listened to all your podcasts, kind of binged through them and found out so much. It's great to have someone in my corner of the world that understands what we are going through. So I bet you there are many other trips in the world out there. If you enjoyed the podcast, one of the best compliments you can do is share this with others on any platform that you are able to. I'm looking at starting a TikTok videos to get quick, short education to get the word out as well. So, like I said, hit the like or follow button. And until next week, go Team Fibro.